I greet you in Christ's name this beautiful Christmas day, Christmas Eve. Let's bow our heads for a word of prayer. Our Heavenly Father, we thank you for sending your Son Jesus to come to die for us. We are so grateful. It fills our hearts with joy. God, I just pray that you would be present in our worship service this morning. Lift our hearts, draw our hearts toward yourself. And I pray that you would take this little bit that I have to share this morning into your gracious hands and multiply it for your glory. And I pray that your word would speak to each one of us and then our hearts would be an uh, outpouring of worship for you. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. The title to this morning's message is Emmanuel, God with us. His name is Emmanuel, God with us. It was prophesied by Isaiah hundreds of years earlier. Therefore the Lord himself will give you a sign. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son and shall call his name Emmanuel. His other given name was Jesus. God took on humanity as a little baby and lived among men for some 30 years. He was born in a crude stable in the city of David, which was called Bethlehem. He came to earth as a human baby. We celebrate that birth every year in the end of December. And it fills our hearts with joy as we look at Christmas. It's a joyful time. But I think the joy that really comes from our hearts is not just the fact that he was born as a baby, but it is what he came to accomplish. That in that joy there was also pain. And that pain is what accomplished our salvation. God did not leave us alone. We know that he created man in a beautiful situation, and we messed it up right away. So God needed to throw man out of his presence, away from the beautiful place that he had made for them. We deserve that. But the thing that I want to share with us this morning is that God did not abandon us. God did not push us away. I know that when, some, when someone treats us badly, we tend to want to push them away and say, I don't want to deal with you. I don't want to be with you. Go away from me. But God did not abandon us. Even though we fell, mankind fell, God reached out to us. And that name, Emmanuel, God with us, is significant in the fact that God reached out to us even after we had failed why was Jesus incarnated as a human? Why did God do that? Why should the God that created man leave his awesome throne in heaven and come down and live with his creation? Why did the Son of God consent to take on our humanity along with all of its hardship and limitations? Paul Harvey tells a story, you may have heard it, I'm not sure, of a man who Christmas Eve stayed home from church. He didn't go to church with his wife and children. He was a kind, decent, mostly good man, generous to his family, upright in his dealings with others. But he did not believe in this incarnation stuff that the churches proclaim at Christmas time. It just didn't make sense to him, and he was too honest to pretend otherwise. 
He just could not swallow that the Jesus story about God coming to earth as a man. I'm sorry to distress you, he told his wife, but I'm not going with you to church this Christmas Eve. He said he'd feel like a hypocrite, that he would rather stay home, but that he would wait up for them. He stayed, they went. Shortly after the family drove away in the car, snow began to fall. He went to the window to watch the flurries getting heavier and heavier, then went back to his fireside chair and began to read his newspaper. Minutes later, he was startled by a thudding sound, then another and another. At first, he thought someone must be throwing snowballs against his living room window. It was the birds. When he went to the front door, he found a flock of birds huddled miserably in the snow. They had been caught in the storm in a desperate, and in a desperate search for shelter, they had tried to fly through his large landscape window. Well, he couldn't let the poor creatures lie there and freeze. He remembered the barn where his children stabled their pony. That would provide a warm shelter. If he could direct the birds to it, he could quickly put on his coat and galoshes, tramp through the deepening snow to the barn, open the door wide, and turn on a light. But the birds did not come in. He figured food would entice them, and he hurried back to the house, fetched some breadcrumbs, and sprinkled them on the snow, making a trail to the yellow-lighted, wide-open doorway of the stable. But to his dismay, the birds ignored the breadcrumbs and continued to flap around helplessly in the snow. He tried catching them. He tried shooing them into the barn by walking around them, waving his arms. Instead, they scattered in every direction except into the warm-lighted barn. Then he realized they were afraid of him. To them, he reasoned, I am a strange and terrifying creature. If only I could think of some way to let them know they can trust me that I am not trying to hurt them, but to help them. How? Any move he made tended to frighten them, confuse them. They, they just would not follow. They would not be led or shooed because they feared him. If only I could become a bird myself, he thought. If only I could be a bird and mingle with them and speak their language and tell them not to be afraid and show them the way to the safe, warm barn. But I'd have to be one of them so they could see and hear and understand. I would have to become a bird like them. At that moment, across the fields, the church bells began to ring. The sound reached his ears above the sound of the wind. He stood there listening to the bells, listening to the bells pealing the glad tidings of Christmas. The story was being told of how God left the glories of heaven to come down to dwell with men. He came down and was born of a virgin in a lowly stable. It all of a sudden made a connection with this man at home alone. He sank to his knees in the snow and worshipped. The incarnation of God was illustrated to him and he could see why God came down those 2,000 years ago to take on human flesh. He wanted to show the human race that he cared and that he could show them the way to be saved, to escape the storm. Emmanuel, God with us. God came down to show us the way. He came down to pay the price of our redemption so that we could be saved. That little baby that was squirming in the arms of Mary was indeed the Son of God. A miracle had occurred and God took on human flesh. And I've seen the graphs. Maybe you have too. 
people trying to explain how could God become man? How could God be, in fact, as we believe, 100% God and yet 100% human in the body of Jesus? And I, I can't explain it. I don't think these people who have spent years looking at it can explain this. But it is true. God became man. And I accept that truth. I invite you to open your Bibles to Matthew chapter 1. I want to read a few verses there. Begin in verse 18, Matthew chapter 1, part of the Christmas story. Now the birth of Jesus Christ took place in this way. When his mother Mary had been betrothed to Joseph, before they came together, she was found to be with child from the Holy Spirit. And her husband Joseph, being a just man and unwilling to put her to shame, resolved to divorce her quietly. But as he considered these things, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream, saying, Joseph, son of David, do not fear to take Mary as your wife, for that which is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. All this took place to fulfill what the Lord had spoken by the prophet. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which means God with us. Turn now to John chapter 1, verse 9. I want to read a few verses there. John 1 and verse 9. The true light, which gives light to everyone, was coming into the world. He was in the world, and the world was made through him, yet the world did not know him. He came to his own, and his own people did not receive him. But to all who did receive him, he, who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God, who were born not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. And the word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we have seen his glory, glory as of the only Son from the Father, full of grace and truth. Emmanuel comes from the Hebrew words I am, which means with, and El, which means God. Together they mean with us is God. Emmanuel, with us is God. If you're using a King James translation, it starts with an E, doesn't it? Yes, it does. And you can either spelling is acceptable, but the King James, some of the older translations use the Greek transliteration rather than the Hebrew. And that's why it starts with an E in that case. So why did he come down? Why did Jesus come down? That is the question I want to try to answer in three parts this morning. Why did he come down? God with us. Why did he do it? Three answers. The first answer is that we might know God. Why did he come down? Why did he consent to be with us? Why did the God of heaven leave his privileged position and become a little child, become a man? The first answer is that we might know God. You know, the, the most important commandment in Scripture is to love the Lord your God with all your heart, your soul, your mind, your strength. 
And in order to love someone, we need to know them. We need to have a relationship with them in order to love them. It helps to know things about them. We want to understand them. We want to be with them. The prophet Jeremiah tells us what that new covenant would be like after Christ came. In Jeremiah chapter 31, he says, Behold, the days are coming, declares the Lord, when I will make a new covenant with the house of Israel and the house of Judah, not like the covenant that I made with their fathers on the day when I took them by the hand to bring them out of the land of Egypt. My covenant they broke, though I was their husband, declares the Lord. For this is the covenant that I will make with the house of Israel after those days, declares the Lord. I will put my law within them, and I will write it on their hearts, and I will be their God, and they shall be my people. And no longer shall each one teach his neighbor and each one his brother, saying, Know the Lord, for they shall all know me, from the least of them to the greatest, declares the Lord. For I will forgive their iniquity, and I will remember their sin no more. In the new covenant, the covenant that was set up with the coming of Christ, we can know God in a much better way. Because Jesus came to show us God that we might know God. You in the front row here can know God. You absolutely can. Way in the back, you can know God. You personally have a relationship with God. You can know God in a way that wasn't possible before Jesus came. We can know God. We can get to know God. I can get to know God. Jesus came so that we might know God. Jesus was teaching one day, and he had this interchange with Philip, his disciple. He says, if you had known me, you would have known my father also. From now on, you do know him and have seen him. Philip said to him, Lord, show us the father, and it is enough for us. Jesus said to him, have I been with you so long, and you still do not know me, Philip? Whoever has seen me has seen the father. How can you say, show us the father? Jesus came. So that we may know God. Jesus became man to reveal to us what God was really like. For years, God had spoken through the prophets to his people. There's only so much you can know about a person without actually meeting them. God came to earth as one of us to show us exactly who he is and how we are to live. No one has ever seen God, John 1. The only God who is at the Father's side, he has made him known. Speaking of Jesus. 2 Corinthians 4, For what we proclaim, proclaim is not ourselves, but Jesus Christ as Lord, with ourselves as your servants for Jesus' sake. For God, who said, Let the light shine out of darkness, has shown in our hearts to give the light to the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. Colossians 1, he is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of all creation. Jesus showed us who God is by displaying his character for all to see. How did Jesus show God's character? He showed God's awesome power through a boat ride in a storm. I invite you to turn to Luke chapter 8. I want to read a few verses there. Luke chapter 8 and verse 22 Jesus showed us God's awesome power. And it happened one day when on a boat ride. 
Luke 8, verse 22, one day he got into a boat with his disciples and he said to them, let us go across to the other side of the lake. So they set out and as they sailed, he fell asleep and a windstorm came down on the lake and they were filling with water and were in danger. And they went and woke him saying, Master, Master, we are perishing. And he awoke and rebuked the wind and the raging waves and they ceased and there was a calm. And he said to them, where is your faith? And they were afraid and they marveled saying one to another, who then is this? that he commands even the winds and the water, and they obey him. Jesus showed his disciples, and they recorded it for us, the awesome power of God. God is a God of awesome power. They had heard of it, but now they were in the middle of it. They saw the power of God demonstrated in Jesus' control over the wind and the awesome waves. He showed that he had the ultimate power of life and death by raising his friend Lazarus. Turn now to John chapter 11 and verse 38. I want to read a few verses there. The story of the raising of Lazarus from the dead. He showed the power that God had the power of life and death. John 11 verse 38. Then Jesus, deeply moved again, came to the tomb. It was a cave and a stone lay against it. Jesus said, take away the stone. Martha, the sister of the dead man, said to him, Lord, by this time there will be an odor, for he has been dead four days. Jesus said to her, did I not tell you that if you believed, you would see the glory of God? So they took away the stone. And Jesus lifted up his eyes and said, Father, I thank you that you heard me. I knew that you always hear me, but I said this on account of the people standing around that they may believe that you sent me. When he had said these things, he cried out with a loud voice, Lazarus, come out. The man who had died came out, his hands and feet bound with linen strips and his face wrapped with a cloth. Jesus said to them, unbind him and let him go. I wish I could have been there. Wouldn't that have been neat? That would have been amazing to see the power of God. Hear this man who had been dead for four days comes out all bound up with his grave clothes. Jesus has the power of life and death. God does. Jesus demonstrated that for us. Both physical life and spiritual life, they are in God's power. And Jesus demonstrated that for us. Even the very powers of evil and darkness could not stand up to God's awesome power. Turn now to Matthew chapter 8. I want to read, for you, read a few verses there. Matthew chapter 8 and verse 28. The powers of darkness could not stand up to God's awesome power. And when he came to the other side, to the country of the Gadarenes, two demon-possessed men met him coming out of the tomb, so fierce that no one could pass that way. And behold, they cried out, What have you to do with us, O Son of God? Have you come here to torment us before the time? Now a herd of many pigs was feeding at some distance from them, and the demons begged him, saying, If you cast us out, send us away into the herd of pigs. And he said to them, Go! So they came out and went into the pigs, and behold, the whole herd rushed down the steep bank into the sea and drowned in the waters. The herdsmen fled, and going into the city, they told everything, especially what had happened to the demon-possessed men. And behold, all the city came out to meet Jesus, and when they saw him, they begged him to leave their region. 
Jesus demonstrated God's power over darkness, over demons, over the powers of the world. God has all power, and Jesus showed that, his awesome power. Emmanuel, God with us. Jesus showed us that along with unlimited power, God is also a God of compassion. And I think especially of the account that you don't need to turn to it in Luke 19. It's a familiar passage where Jesus was coming down the, the Mount of Olives, walking down that path. And he looked out across the city and he wept. Scripture says he wept. He broke down. He broke down. And when he drew near, Luke 19 says, and saw the city, he wept over it. And he said, would, you, would that you, even you, had known on this day the things that make for peace, but now they are hidden from your eyes. For the days will come upon you when your enemies will set up a barricade around you and surround you and hem you in on every side and tear you down to the ground, you and your children within you. And they will not leave one stone upon another in you because you did not know the time of your visitation. Jesus wept. He grieved over the blindness of his own people. It says in another passage that he would like to have gathered them like a hen gathers her chicks under her wings, but they wouldn't have it. God cares. God cares so much. Jesus demonstrated the soft side of God. Not only is he awesome in power, not only can he conquer uh, the powers of darkness, but he cares. He is compassionate. And Jesus is God with us, Emmanuel. Most of all, Jesus showed us the love of God. That is what he showed, and that was the ultimate thing that he showed was his love, his forgiveness toward mankind. How did Jesus show the ultimate love of God for mankind? The answer is simple, but also profound. He showed it on the cross. And on that cross, he says in Luke 23, 34, Jesus said, Father, forgive them, for they don't know not what they do. There's no one can doubt the love of God when you contemplate the cross. God came down in human form. He was incarnated in that little baby, Jesus. And we rejoice that he was that Christmas day 2,000 years ago. We rejoice. But our joy is even greater that he went to the cross and took, took us back into God's family through that sacrifice. Jesus is God with us, Emmanuel. His power, his holiness, his compassion, his love. It helps to see God. It helps to see God demonstrated. God with us, Emmanuel. Second point I want to make to the message this morning is that, first, that we might know God. Number two, that God might know us. I don't know if you contemplated that, but God... 
Jesus, when he came to earth, when he was incarnated, he learned things about humanity. Yes, he did. You'd say, well, he knew everything, but he learned them in physically being there with humans. He became an understanding high priest, the Bible says. We know that Jesus understands us and knows that we are what we are going through because he has gone through it himself. God knows what you have been through because he went through it himself. He knows what it's like to be tempted, abandoned, and mistreated. He came down, took on human flesh, and experienced what we experience. And in that way, he reached out to us. He reached out to us as a, as a faithful high priest. Yes, he did. Open your Bibles, turn in your Bibles to Hebrews chapter 2. I want to read a few verses there. It's a very poignant passage that tells us how Jesus came to know us. He learned to know mankind through the things that he experienced when he was here on earth. Hebrews 2 verse 10. For it was fitting that he, for whom and by whom all things exist, in bringing many sons to glory, should make the founder of their salvation perfect through suffering. For he who sanctifies and those who are sanctified all have one source. That is why he is not ashamed to call them brothers. Saying, I will tell your name to my brothers. In the midst of the congregation, I will sing your praise. And again, I will put my trust in him. And again, behold, I am the children God has given me. Since therefore the children share in flesh and blood, he himself likewise took partook of the same things, that through death he might destroy the one who has the power of death, that is the devil, and deliver all those who through fear of death were subject to lifelong slavery. For surely it is not angels that he helps, but he helps the offspring of Abraham. Therefore he had to be made like his brothers in every respect, so that he might become a merciful and faithful high priest in the service of God to make propitiation for the sin, sins of the people. He understands us. And I, I don't quite grasp this, but he became complete, the Bible says. He became complete by the things that he suffered. He became perfect through this suffering. He became weak and vulnerable. He experienced our pain and suffering. He became dependent on the Father for strength and courage to be obedient. That God might know us. He understands us. He has gone through exactly the same things you and I are going through right now. Your difficult experience in life, he has gone through as a human being. God with us. He understands us. He knows where we're coming from. He knows what we're going through. He has compassion more completely because of his own suffering in the flesh. Joseph Damien was a 19th century missionary who ministered to people with leprosy on the island of Molokai, Hawaii. Those suffering grew to love him and revered the sacrificial life he lived out before them. One morning before Damien was, was to lead daily worship, he poured some hot water into a cup. When the water swirled out and fell onto his bare feet, barefoot. It took him a moment to realize that he had not felt any sensation. 
Gripped by the sudden fear of what this could mean, he poured more hot water on the same spot. No feeling whatsoever. Damien immediately knew what had happened. He had contracted leprosy in his service to the lepers on that island. As he walked tearfully to deliver his sermon, no one at first noticed the difference in his opening line. He normally began every sermon with, My fellow believers. But this morning he began with, My fellow lepers. That he might know us. Emmanuel, God with us. Number three, the first one is that we might know God, that God might know us, and number three, that we might be saved. Why did he come down and take on humanity? That we might be saved. If our greatest need had been information, he would have sent, God would have sent an educator. If our greatest need had been technology, God would have sent us a scientist. If our greatest need had been money, God would have sent us an economist. If our greatest need had been pleasure, God would have sent us an entertainer. But our greatest need was forgiveness. So God sent a Savior. God came to earth in the incarnation and brought to us just what we needed. In 1962, missionaries Don and Carol Richardson went to New Guinea to bring the good news of Christ to a group of people known as the Sawi. The Sawi was a head-hunting, cannibalistic tribe who used the skulls of their victims as pillows. How would you like that? He wrote a book about his experience called Peace Child. He began his work among the Sawi by reading through the Gospel of Matthew, but to his consternation when he got to the part of Judas betraying Christ, everyone cheered. He did not realize that their culture was one built around treachery. The one who was the most devious was the one who had the most respect in their tribe. The missionary searched for every possible means to explain the greatness of God's gift of truth and pure love to a people whose values were based on deceit. Then one day he witnessed a solemn ceremony between two warring tribes. One of the chiefs walked over to the other and handed him a child. In fact, it was the chief's own son. Their custom had been that peace could come between two tribes only if the chief of one of the tribes would give his son over to the people of the other tribe. He was called the peace child. The chief would place his own son in the hands of a people who hated him and had been his enemies. It was the only way to bring peace between them. Richardson saw in this act the perfect bridge to help these people understand that what God had done. God had given his peace child into the hands of a hostile world in order to bring the hostility between us to an end. The angel said at his birth, peace on earth, goodwill toward men. Why did he come down to be with us? Why is his name Emmanuel? That we might be saved. That's why. There can be no peace except the atonement that he accomplished on Calvary. God became man so that we could be saved, saved from sin, saved from the penalty and power of sin, so that we could have eternal life. Hallelujah. 
Hallelujah. He saved me. I'm trusting in him for salvation. Through the atonement that Christ accomplished on Calvary. The sacrifice needed to be a human one. It needed to be sinless. And that is why God became man and took on human flesh so that he could be that atoning sacrifice. It's only as we receive that sacrifice that we can be saved. Isaiah 53. Who hath believed our report? And to whom is the arm of the Lord revealed? For she shall grow up before him as a tender plant, and as a root out of dry ground. He hath no form nor comeliness, and when we shall see him, there is no beauty that we should desire him. He is despised and rejected of men, a man of sorrows, and acquainted with grief, and we hid as it were our faces from him. He was despised, and we esteemed him not. Surely he hath borne our griefs and carried our sorrows. Yet we did esteem him stricken, smitten of God, and afflicted. But he was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement of our peace was upon him, and with his stripes we are healed. All we like sheep have gone astray. We have turned every one to his own way, and the Lord hath laid on him the iniquity of us all. He was oppressed, and he was afflicted, yet he opened not his mouth. He is brought as a lamb to the slaughter, and as a sheep before her shearers is dumb, so he opened not his mouth. He was taken from prison and from judgment. Who shall declare his generation? For he was cut off out of the land of the living. For the transgression of my people was he stricken. And he made his grave with the wicked and with the rich in his death, because he hath done no violence, neither was any deceit in his mouth. Yet it pleased the Lord to bruise him. He hath put him to grief. When thou shalt make his soul an offering for sin, he shall see his seed, he shall prolong his days, and the pleasure of the Lord shall prosper in his hand. He shall see the, of the travail of his soul and shall be satisfied. By the, his knowledge shall my righteous servant justify many, for he shall bear their iniquities. Therefore I will divide him a portion with the great, and he shall divide the spoil with the strong, because he had poured out his soul into death. And he was numbered with the transgressors, and he bare the sin of many, and made intercession for the transgressors. We are saved because we trust in Jesus and his atoning work for us. Way back before creation, God planned this. He would send his son, Jesus. He would be born of a Virgin Mary as a little child. But the ultimate goal of his coming was to be an atoning sacrifice for us. That's why God became man. Christ's mission was complete. He took him back with him to heaven, the marks of the nails in his hands. 
what would I like you to leave you with this morning? I would like to leave with you great joy. We celebrate Christmas, and it is a season of great joy. It is. It should be. It is, it is appropriate that we rejoice. It is appropriate that we celebrate. But our celebration is not just tied to that little baby and all the, all the pageantry that goes along with Christmas. It's not. It's with the knowledge that God has drawn near. God cared enough for us. That he was willing to come to a sin-cursed earth into his enemies and to redeem us. To show us who God is. To experience how we are and so that we can be saved. Thanks be to God for his inexpressible gift. God bless you. We'll call for a song.